Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks Thanks be to to God, who gives us victory, the victory, the victory, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And welcome back into the Living Victory Podcast. My name is Christian Conway. As always, I'm joined by Jonathan Krauss and Max Keane. What's going on today, boys? Well, it's another rainy day. I am really loving the weather. Um, Also, shout out to David who pointed that out last time I said it. If you're listening to this, last night I ran outside in the rain for about an hour and it was wonderful. So, yeah, just to keep you updated. You were running for an hour? Yeah, so at my work, David, he's a co-worker of mine, but he's down in college now. Uh, but he, or no, at work, um, we take mobile orders out to cars. And last night, it was pouring out rain. And everyone was telling me, don't do it, don't do it. You're going to get struck by lightning. You're going to die, whatever. I'm like, I'm going to be fine. And so... I was just one person taking orders out to cars for about an hour, and it was great. Oh, I thought you legitimately meant you were running. I was like, why would you run for an hour? That does not make any sense. Why would you do that to yourself? But it makes sense now that you're talking about uh, the context that would of work. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Jonathan? <laughs> yeah, I also do like this rainy weather, uh, especially because of how hot and humid it's been here. I know I, I can't really talk in the light of Christian's always hot and humid area but it definitely has been overly hot and humid in this area recently um mm-hmm. and especially when like i've been doing a lot of work outside um i know i said that i that i technically finished landscaping but i've also been doing um some building projects for some folks and like showing up in the middle middle of the day and working on a hill that's in constant sunlight with no tree coverage is really really hard i mean seriously like in Within the first 10 minutes, your entire body is drenched in sweat. All your clothes are wet. I mean, it's just like, it's such kind of a horrible experience. Um, And then you got sawdust sticking to you and everything from all angles because you're just, you're cutting wood. And it's just, I I have sympathy for for many people out there that do this kind of work every day. You guys are the real Gs. So, but this this rainy weather is definitely um, a bit of a nice cool down, I would say. Other than that... um, just chilling, getting ready for frowny face. School starting again soon, which is unfortunate, but the, the world goes on. It, it keeps spinning, so we got to keep doing what we got to do. And um, we got to keep living the lives that God has called us to in the moment. So we got to be happy about that and um, be encouraging to others around us. We don't want to get down ourselves because then that doesn't lead anywhere good. So we got to stay positive. And uh, keep moving forward. Got to love each other and shine your light. <laughs> yeah, speaking of schools starting back up, the uh, some of the schools in Guam actually went back today. And then the governor decided to shut everything down again. So she basically pulled all the, the officials, like the superintendents and everything of all the schools and told them to prepare to shut down their schools for another two weeks. We're going back in lockdown mode for coronavirus. For, for reference, it's August 13th. And... Guam shutting back down, so we'll see how that goes. See if I uh, get lonely with the <laughs> reinstated quarantine. It almost feels like we're going back in time, which is not what we're supposed to be doing. But you know, we got to deal with this coronavirus thing like it's serious. So, 
Wait, so does that mean you're not going to be hang? You can't hang out with anybody? Yeah, the only the only things that are allowed to happen are essential activities. So restaurants will be shut. You know, gyms will be shut. The only things that can be open are essential. That stinks. Yeah, it's luckily I had a, a snorkeling plan with some friends tomorrow. So tomorrow's Friday, so we'll be able to go out and, and get it done before Saturday hits and everything shuts down again. But you know, you got to roll with the punches, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Got to roll with the punches. Well, everybody, today um, we're going to be looking into something that's there's not a whole lot of it in scripture, to be honest. Um, And this is kind of like an interesting thing that not a lot of people go into because it's just a small snippet, especially in Luke. But we're going to be looking at the uh, sort of the youth time of Jesus. Like, what was his childhood like? Um, The Bible doesn't give us a lot on this, and it's. Definitely an interesting topic, and um, Christian actually was the one who suggested it. And it seemed like an interesting to interesting thing to look into. So um, most of our stuff is going to be pulled from Luke 2. Uh, so if you're listening, you can turn your Bible there and you can follow along a little bit. Um, but we are going to be jumping into some other patches of passages too, uh, just to reference some of the things that the Bible tells us about Jesus' childhood. We... We can extrapolate some things like his age at certain times and also where he was. But really, the the Bible doesn't focus too much on the the childhood of Jesus. And I was actually reading an article about this and there's not like there's no really reason to focus on Jesus's childhood other than to sort of emulate the way that he was with his parents and everything. And we'll, and we'll get into that later. Um, But the, the Bible didn't really need to highlight it. It, it, The Bible was obviously inspired by God and um, God wanted to highlight the, the ministry of Jesus more than his upbringing. Um, And he wanted to highlight the time that Jesus uh, was ordained to share the gospel and essentially become the gospel. So uh, this is kind of like it just a, interesting like it's in scripture but there's not a lot of it and we just kind of wanted to spend a little time and and look to see what's there so uh take that as you will so with that said we're going to start off right at the very beginning well not the very very beginning um we're not going to start off with the birth of jesus because uh that's generally pretty clear uh but a little bit later right before uh herod's whole phase Actually, right during Herod's phase. So we're looking in uh, the beginning of Luke 2. And this is also in Matthew 2, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Yes, Matthew 2 and Luke 2. So specifically in Matthew 2, if you flip there. So starting in Matthew 2, we see in the beginning of Matthew 2, the, the visit of the wise men. So the wise men come and they present their gifts to uh, Jesus. And we know that. At this time, it took the wise men quite a while to travel. So Jesus was in his one to two years old range. Um, He wasn't a baby, uh, but he definitely was really young, very small toddler probably at the time. And obviously the wise men were stopped by Herod uh, on their way to see Jesus. And and Herod came up with this plot to essentially get the wise men to come back to him and tell tell him where Jesus was laid so that that Herod could kill Jesus. 
Um, obviously, we see later that the wise men received a dream when they were departing not to go back to Herod. So they didn't do that. And then that's when Herod decided to kill all the male force, firstborns under the age of two or, or two and under. Um, or no, I think it's under the age of two in Bethlehem. At that time, we see that Joseph received a vision uh, from from an angel of the Lord uh, telling him to flee to Egypt because Herod was about to um, commit sort of a mass genocide at all two years, uh, two year olds and under. So uh, Joseph takes his family, which is Mary and Jesus, obviously, and they flee to Egypt. So this is again, this is when Jesus is about one, uh, one to two years old in that range. Uh, that's what most scholars think. And he stayed in Egypt until Herod died, which most people believe is around three to five years later, making Jesus four to six years old-ish uh, when he came back from Egypt. And they, when they came back, they obviously settled in Nazareth. So there is this time that Jesus actually grows up outside of Israel and in Egypt. Um, we Obviously, we don't know anything about it because there's not much in the Bible, but we can definitely extrapolate some things like the fact that this probably broadened Jesus's upbringing a little bit. He got more of an exposure to different cultures, especially in Egypt. Um, this could have even changed a little bit the way that Mary raised him. It maybe it was a slightly a less super static, um, you know, Israeli raising. Um, this was, this could change a, a decent amount of things. And it could also mean that Jesus uh, spoke Egyptian too. We don't know about that. Um, but we know that Jesus obviously was taken to a different land when he was very young. So he was a refugee. Um, so he probably experienced many things like uh, being the outside kid. Um, maybe he struggled with learning the, like, like talking with other people because they, they spoke a different language than his parents. I mean, can you imagine being being five years old and speaking one language in the home and then speaking a different language uh, out when you're at school or whatever? I mean, so it's it, this definitely probably proposed quite quite a difficulty for not only Jesus as a child, but also for his mom who had to uh, probably shelter him a decent bit because Egypt was not a it was more like a, a pagan believing country. So that not only proposed difficulties on Jesus, but also on Mary. Um, so Jesus probably experienced some loneliness and maybe some outsiderness being a refugee in Egypt. Um, but then we see later that, that Herod dies and uh, they return to Nazareth. Um, that's in Matthew two nineteen, And then also we see that in Luke. Um, well, not, not Luke, Luke, uh, the, the Luke return to Nazareth is, slightly different context. So, but we do see that in Luke 2, 19, they return to Nazareth after Herod dies. Um, and that's kind of all we really get on with, with Jesus's immediate childhood. Unless, well, um, and other than the passage in Luke that we're about to look at, which is uh, Luke 2, 41. Um, but like in terms of Jesus being a young child, that's about it. So there's just not a lot in the Bible about this. And and we're about to look into the only other passage that talks about it. Now, Christian, um, you, I guess, kind of have been in that a similar situation 
um, as Jesus may have, as you spent a few years in Japan throughout your childhood, could you sort of relate to that in any ways? Yeah, so it's it's definitely different. I'm not sure uh, what the the how how great the differences were between ancient Egypt and ancient Israel. I'm assuming that they were you know two completely separate cultures, just like the United States and Japan are today. And I can definitely attest to the fact that when you live in a different country, especially as a young child, it gives you experiences and you know cultural just just um, you experience things that you would not have experienced if you had stayed in the same culture. And I, I was a little older, like not old, old, but much older than Jesus. I was five when we moved to Japan and I was eight when we moved away from Japan. But my brother actually was two years old when we lived in Japan, uh, when we moved there. And it was really cool to see how he was like a sponge for the language and just for the culture. Uh, he went to a Japanese school and he learned Japanese. He learned Japanese much faster than the rest of our family did. And so he would come home from his Japanese school and just start talking Japanese to us. And we had no idea what he was saying. And so it's 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 cool to see that he was about the same age that Jesus would have been when they moved to Egypt. And I can I can make that comparison where he was picking up the language and he was picking up the cultures. He was he had like he didn't know better. He he was two years old when we moved away from the United States. And when we went back to the United States certain things just blew his mind. Like he, he was like, they have toy stores, stores that are completely devoted to just toys because they didn't have many of those in Japan. And so his entire memory up into five years old was, was Japan. And so I imagine that it'd be something similar with Jesus having lived in Egypt, that his memory would have been Egypt. And so however long they were there, um, when he moved back to Israel, he probably had a large portion of his memory uh, from Egypt. And then that gave him different cultural experiences and diversity. And that way, when he moved back, he had all these experiences that were different from his peers that, like Jonathan said, probably contributed to his development and um, who he became later down the road. Yeah, that's really interesting. Really cool. Um, so we're going to go and talk about um, Jesus's youth now. And so again, in Luke 2, we'll start in verse 41. Um, it says, every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. So right there, we already know, okay, his family had to travel to go to the festival of the Passover, which um, was a week-long celebration. Um, and on the last day, they'd have an assembly. Um, and no work would be done that day. And there would be, everyone would eat unleavened bread. And so that's just a little bit of what that festival was like. But everyone traveled um, to Jerusalem for that um, time. And so when he was 12 years old, they went up to the Passover festival, which they would do every year according to the custom. And after the festival was over, his parents were returning home and the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it. So, you know, the family goes, they celebrate the Passover, and then Jesus's parents leave without him. So I know, <laughs> at least with my family, so I'm the oldest of 10 kids in my family. 
And there have been numerous times where we have left someone behind at, you know, a store or at church or something like that. And so I've seen a lot of those kinds of experiences. um, And my parents just start freaking out like, oh, my goodness, where'd this kid go? We need to find him. Um, And so that's definitely a scary thought as, you know, thinking about how Mary and Joseph must have felt when they couldn't find Jesus. And so it says that it took them three days to find him. So can you imagine, like, looking three days for your child after he just, you can't find him anywhere? Like, that must have been a pretty, pretty scary thing to do. Well, not only that, but the Bible specifies that it took three days to find him once they returned to Jerusalem. And they were a day out from Jerusalem Um, because it says that they they traveled for a day and then realized that Jesus was not with them. And then so they would have had to return a day to Jerusalem. So they were actually missing Jesus for five plus days. Um, And we'll we'll figure out later that Jesus was in the temple. But but. Obviously, today, this was this would be like a super, super radical thing. But back then, you have to keep in mind that they traveling to the Passover feast was a thing that like many, many people did. So they traveled together in these probably very large caravans. Um, and they probably had lots of lots of kids there in the caravans that, that you know, that, that Jesus probably hung out with. Um, and this is, we're getting to the point where Jesus is 12 years old. So he's, he's, he's older. Um, his parents would probably give him more freedom now and they probably give him, um, or they, you know, treat him a little bit more like an adult. Um, especially cause back in that day, many people were not forced, but like the environment around them kind of made them grow into an adult a little bit faster than probably today. So these parents probably trusted Jesus a lot and they were just, they left Jerusalem and they just figured that he was in the, in the caravan, probably hanging out with some kids. Um, then they finished this day of journeying and they sat down and, and then they were like, well, you know what, we should, we should probably see if Jesus wants to eat something or, and then they figure out that he's not there. So uh, they obviously had to tra- travel back to Jerusalem and, and we can pick up in verse this would be 47. So this was after 46, where they say after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And then starting in verse 47, it said, all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. So this just kind of attests to where Jesus was even at 12 years old. I mean, think about the people that are going to be in the temple, right? These are going to be teachers. These are going to be um, people that study the law or uh, like just regular citizens that love having conversations about the law. And, the, and like we're in the we're in the temple. Right. So this isn't this. There's probably some deep theological conversations happening and they're marveling at Jesus's understanding about the scriptures and his questions and his answers. Um, and this really speaks to how developed Jesus was as a child, even at 12 years old. And actually, before this passage, uh Starting in verse 41, we can go back two verses and see in 39 um, that uh, Mary and Joseph were following the law of the Lord. And then in 40, we see that 
Jesus was growing as a child and becoming strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was on him. So growing as a child, he was not only growing in physicality, but he was also growing in wisdom. And this, again, is specified later, and we're going to touch on this a bit in a second. But this is something that we, in our culture today, we, we don't expect a lot from our youth. And our youth, like we're included in, in the youth probably. Because that's, in the world today, there's not a lot expected from young people. And this is kind of something that we have to overcome, right? Um, and we can see in verses like First Timothy 4, 12, uh, where it says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in faith, in love, and in purity. Um, so scripture is, is quite clear that you're not really, you're supposed to use your youth for the Lord. And I think Jesus was really doing that. Um, he was using his youth and uh, really growing in wisdom and growing in stature. And this comes back to um, sort of something that I personally don't like talking about. But the more that I learn about it, uh, the more I hear it, the more I think it is true. Uh, I know I've said this on a previous podcast, but something that Ravi Zacharias said that really struck me was the fact that, uh, well, he said, uh, don't forsake your times of study because they prepare you for times uh, of experience. And this is definitely something that I'm finding to be more and more true as I study in school and everything. And I think a lot of people, including myself, view this time of learning, this time of study, this time of, in the way I kind of view it as boringness, as just a waste of time. As it's, you know, it's it just feels like you're not going anywhere in life. It just feels like um, you're stagnant, like you're just doing the same old thing day in and day out. And I'm sure you can feel like this with work too, if you've been working for a long time in a job that maybe you're not too pleased with. And, and it can be really discouraging to be like this, but it's possible that God has you in this time so that you can learn something valuable that you will use and experience later. And you can come from a, a mindset of wisdom more so because you've gone through this experience. And I know I've told lots of people, um, I know I've said this on the podcast, but I'm studying engineering. And to be quite honest, I I do think in terms of, of an engineer a little bit, but I'm not, I'm not, if you met me in person, you probably wouldn't say I'm like an engineer per se, in terms of the way that I act, the way I, um, in my, I'm not super introverted. I'm kind of, I consider myself to be like in the middle of introverted, extroverted. Um, and it's I, like, there's, there's things that I do. And I think that, that are sort of engineering-ish, like, I don't really consider myself to be the engineering type, but I know that I can study hard and I can get through school and, and get the engineering degree. Um, so I know I've been talking with a couple mentors of mine and stuff. And I like mentioned this to him, like, I, I don't feel like engineering is my calling in life. Um, but then I can obviously, I can say that maybe God has something for me in the future that I wouldn't have been able to do if I didn't spend this time in engineering that I didn't spend this time doing hard things and studying hard um, and getting good grades uh, and learning a lot in engineering. Cause I have learned quite a lot in engineering school and it's, it's been a blessing and a curse in time in terms of studying. But I, I am looking forward to the time that, that God uses this time of study as an experience 
But to get to that, you have to go through this time of study. And Jesus, you can see this in this passage. Jesus is asking questions. He's learning about God's word. He's talking with people in the temple. I mean, how often do you see young people nowadays going to the church just to ask questions and to learn about God's word? And it's a really, it's a really cool thing that you can see that Jesus was doing um, as a child and learning about learning about his father as a kid. Yeah. And I just want to go back to the idea of us as youth in the church, because so many times it's tempting to think to yourself, oh, well, you know, I shouldn't really try to go out of my way to lead something because I'm too young. I'll wait until I'm older for God to be able to use me in that area. But we look at this example of Jesus, Jesus, and we see that this, this Passover feast, it appears, experts think that about 3 million Jews from the diaspora came into Jerusalem around Jesus's birth, like around the time that Jesus was alive. It was, the number was about 3 million Jews came into Jerusalem for the Passover feast. And so this means that all the best, you know, teachers and scholars of the Jewish world were all in this central location at once. And Jesus went into the temple in Jerusalem and started to teach them and to learn from them and to ask questions. And we see this throughout Jesus' entire life, that he studied the scriptures. He made it a priority to study the scriptures. And this we see this in um, uh, the temptation in the wilderness, when he was in the wilderness for 40 days with Satan. And Satan continued to throw scripture after scripture after scripture at him, trying to get him to break God's law and break God's commandments. But Jesus knew the scriptures. He knew the purpose behind each one, each scripture that, that Satan was twisting. And Jesus was able to defend the, the things that Satan was trying to push onto him. He was able to defend those with scriptures of his own. And so we see this throughout his entire life. He constantly studied the scriptures. And God calls us to do, the, to do this, to look into his word, to study his word. Um, we know that God's word is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Um, and these things that we learn from God's word are so applicable in everyday life. And if we follow Jesus's example, because that's what we're called to do as believers, we're called to live as Jesus lived and to love as Jesus loved. And if we follow Jesus's example, then even in our youth, we're studying the scriptures. We're looking into them, seeing how we can apply them better to our lives and help those around us apply them better to their lives. And I just love this example. This, this is the reason that I was so encouraged to look into this scripture in one of our episodes is because Jesus, even at 12 years old, was motivated to go into the temple and to learn from those around him and to study the scriptures and to ask questions and to learn and just making sure that we're always asking questions because none of us have ever made it. We're never going to get to the point where we don't need to learn anymore because we've made it. We've arrived. There's always more to learn. There's always people to learn from. And if we humble ourselves as Jesus humbled himself, then we can learn from those around us, see what they have to, to teach us. And then we can use that to benefit ourselves, but also to benefit those in the church around us. And it's just, it's this example. It really gives you strength and empowerment as a young person in the church, because we as young people, we're the future of the church. But in order to make that future a bright one, we have to start our study now. We have to start studying scripture in addition to the school studying that we're doing because we have 24 hours in a day and this this time that God has given us, we only get every second that you live, you only get that second once. And so every second you have the choice to look at scripture and things that are going to build up your mind 
or you have the choice to look at something of the world to, you know, watch a TV show or listen to music. And I'm not saying that these things are bad, but just the eternal weight and eternal glory and eternal benefit that we get from studying scripture is so it pays dividends. You know, it pays, it pays dividends far beyond anything we could ever imagine in the future. And so I just want to encourage any young people out there that are listening, that are, that are thinking to themselves, Oh, you know, I probably don't study the scripture as much as I, sh- I should, but I read it every day or I read it once a week or whatever it is. Just make sure that you dive into God's word, that you really, you know, go head first into his word because there's so much truth, so many amazing things that we can learn from God's word. And if we as young people start to study it, just imagine how much of a difference, how much of a great impact we can have on not only the church, but the world around us for Christ. And I think going along with that, you should always be filling your mind with things that um, are glorifying to God. Um, I know for me, um, like I've said before, I work at Chick-fil-A. And so usually there will be a song that gets stuck in my head. And that song will just like be on repeat for, you know, my seven hour, eight hour shift um, or maybe two or three songs throughout the entirety of the day. And so one thing that I've noticed is the song that usually gets stuck in my head is one that I've listened to recently, one that, you know, is catchy that I like can think about and just it goes on in your head for a while. And so what I've been trying to do is listen to more Christian music that I want to get stuck in my head that I can be praising God while I'm working. And so even little things like that, where you know that there's a way that you can, um, where there's a way that you can be influenced um, by certain things and choosing to be influenced by God's word or by truth rather than something that, you know, may not always be reliable. And so a good passage for this is Philippians 4.8, which says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And so just this passage really makes you think about, okay, we need to be filling our minds with things that are glorifying to God, with things that um, honestly make us different from the world. And we need to be that kind of light to the world. So being able to live in a way that's honoring to God and being different than what other people might say. I mean, look at Jesus. He was 12 years old. He was in the temple asking questions and amazing the teachers like he was filled with the spirit i mean he was yeah he was god in flesh but that's something amazing that we can look on and us as young people we want to pursue things of the world but god calls us to pursue him and so we have a choice every day whether or not we're going to follow Christ or follow the patterns of the world. I love that. And it's so it's obviously we're also told in 
in Colossians um, to set your mind upon things of the spirit as well. So like scripture is very clear about what you set your mind on. We're actually going to continue in Luke 2. Um, we have a little bit left and it's it's got some good stuff in it. So after Jesus' parents found him, we see in verse 48, And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Uh, so that ended in verse 51. So as we can see here, Jesus is kind of, we obviously know that he's fully God and fully man. So he's he is thinking on a slightly different level, slightly different level, on a completely different level when it comes to um, spiritual things. And so this was a time that Jesus had um, planned for himself to, to sit in the temple and learn um, and be in his father's house. And obviously, if he says that to anyone, they're just not going to understand, even if it's own, his own parents who knows that he is the Messiah, that he is the Christ. But that's still kind of a like a really weird and abnormal thing for a kid to say. And so his parents just, they just didn't understand what he was talking about. But obviously, they still needed to return to Nazareth. And scripture is clear that Jesus obeyed his parents and that Jesus was submissive to his parents' will, even though that they didn't understand where Jesus was coming from. And this is also an important note to touch on, because I think in today's world, especially us youngins, um, but even for, for the people with, with parents that are older as well, sometimes your parents, it just doesn't seem like your parents understand where you're coming from. It just doesn't seem like your parents understand your, your, your trail of thinking. They don't understand why you're doing what you're doing. And so it seems like your parents are against you when really they just don't understand um, what you're thinking in that moment. Um, but we're still called to be obedient to our parents. We're still called to uh, submit to them um, in, in things because really they are looking out for, well, hopefully that they're looking out <laughs> for what's best for you. And we got to make sure that we respect the fact that our parents are parents and they are appointed by God to be our parents. And even if it might seem like that what they're saying is wrong because they don't understand what we're thinking um, we are still called to be obedient. And not only that, but we're called to be obedient um, with our Heavenly Father as well. Because think about how often it seems like God doesn't know what he's doing. Um, how often does it seem like God is just, he's telling us to do things that we think are not best for us. Or he's leading us in a direction that we didn't have originally planned. And so we, we think that God is not having what's best for us. And we need to put aside the fact that um, it's not what we felt or what we intended, but we need to be obedient and we need to really submit ourselves to God and in, in that light also to our earthly parents as well. So one thing I want to point out real quick um, is in verse 49, when Jesus responds to his parents, um, my translation says he, that Jesus said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? I think Jonathan's version said, didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? So with those, like, there's kind of an urgency to those. Like, I had to be, I must be, like, I need to be. 
in my father's house. I need to be with God, spend time with him. And I think that's a great example to follow of our relationship with Christ is we need that. That needs to be a huge part of our lives that needs to take hold of us. We need to be in a place where that's a high priority in our lives. I mean, you look at all the things that God has done for us. We want to be spending time with God. We want to be obedient to him, show him that we love him and how thankful for we are for the gift of salvation that he's given us. And so I think just even that, how Jesus says, like, how important it is for him to be spending time with God. It wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I was in the temple and just hanging out. He's like, no, I had to be in my father's house. Like, that's, you don't see that from very many people at like 12 years old. And before we finish up looking at this passage, there are two things that I I wanted to draw attention to. And these are the things that get repeated um, throughout the gospel of Luke. Because whenever something is repeated in God's word, it's something that we should really pay attention to. And two of the things or two of the uh, the verses in this passage actually show up at different points in the same chapter, uh, Luke chapter two. And so the first one is when Mary is, is confused about what Jesus was saying about being in his father's house. But then Jesus submits to them and goes back to Nazareth with Nazareth with them. And it says at the end of verse 51, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Now this this phrase, her mother, his mother treasured up all these things in her heart, also showed up in Luke uh, two nineteen, when the shepherds came to visit the baby Jesus, and they came and they started praising this baby, and so it seems as though whenever Mary sees something that sees something in Jesus that shows that he is the Son of God. So in the first case, it was the shepherds coming and, and telling her all the great things that they heard about this baby and glorifying him and praising him. And the second case, the one that we're studying today, uh, it appears as, or it's, it comes after the time when he said, of course I was in my father's house, but then he immediately submits to them and follows them. So whenever Jesus does something that you know shows that he is the son of God, Mary treasures these things in her heart. And it's really cool to see that, that he or she is seeing how special he is and how how much of a special calling it is to to serve God in this way by raising up the child of Jesus. And the second thing that shows up multiple times in Luke chapter 2 shows up uh in this case in verse 52. It says Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And uh Jonathan touched on this earlier a little bit, but we see that Jesus is constantly increasing in wisdom. The first time that this shows up in Luke chapter two is uh, verse 40, right before this, this account of Jesus in the temple. It says, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom and favor of God was upon him. And so from the two time spans that we're, we're traveling here are first from Jesus as a baby to Jesus as 12 years old. And then from Jesus 12 years old, uh, all the way until he's a man and he, he starts doing his ministry. And so these times like throughout this entire his entire childhood it says that he's growing in stature obviously he's growing you know bigger physically uh, he's growing in his age but also that he's growing in wisdom that Jesus is seeking out opportunities to grow in wisdom and to become more knowledgeable and more wise in the ways of God 
and so no matter what his age is in this this uh, this case, he's continuing to grow in wisdom. He's continuing to seek out that knowledge. And then there's this part at the end where it says he's growing in favor with God. And this is something that we should all be striving for. We should all be striving to to grow closer to Jesus and growing closer to God in our relationships with him, growing in favor with God. And Jesus did exactly this by seeking out the wisdom of the Bible, the wisdom that God's word offers us, but also by seeking God and seeking to grow in his relationship with God. Because by the time he's an adult, we see that he has this great, strong relationship with God where he comes to him in prayer and he comes to him whenever he needs anything, whenever he he wants to thank him. And even he'll be in large crowds of people and he'll sneak away just to spend time with God the Father and just to have that quality time with him. And so just reading this passage and seeing these two things that repeat themselves, that Mary treasures these things in her heart and that Jesus grows in wisdom and in stature. We should make sure to pay special attention to these things because they happen multiple times, not only within this, the Gospel of Luke, but within the chapter, this exact chapter, both of these things come up multiple times. So this 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 entire account that we've studied today has been really encouraging, and it's, re- it's really especially encouraging to people who are young, people who are young in the church and don't know what their place is exactly, don't know where to go, don't know what God's calling them to. Uh, we see that, that Jesus' example, two things that we should most definitely seek to do are to grow in wisdom and to grow in our in favor with God. So to seek to do the things of the Lord, and no matter what age you are, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, this is the thing that God wants us to do. He wants us to seek him and seek the wisdom that comes with reading and studying his word. And just the, the passion that Jesus had for studying God's word and learning more about him is really encouraging. And uh, just, just there's so many great lessons that we can learn from looking at this 12-year-old Jesus that not only was he in with the teachers, but he was listening to them and learning from them and asking questions, but he was also teaching them the things that he knew because of how great uh, he had been growing, how greatly he had been growing in his wisdom at that point. So uh, just in this episode, we wanted to study this passage to see what kind of applications we could draw from Jesus and from the things that he was doing as a boy, um, this this you know, 11 verse chunk is really, or actually 12 verses, this 12 verse chunk is really all we get for for Jesus as a preteen teenager um, into his young adult life. And so we wanted to study this and look at it to see how we can apply Jesus's, you know, preteen teenager life to our lives as preteens and teenagers and young adults in the church and see how we can apply these lessons uh, to our own lives. So the first thing that we saw Jesus do in this passage was studying God's word. And he went out of his way to study God's word, to ask questions, and even to memorize scripture, uh, even at this, this ripe young age of 12, because he knew how important it was to, to study God's word and to know the commands of God and to have them written on his heart. He knew that this was an indispensable aspect of the Christian faith. And we also see that, that Jesus was obedient to God. Uh, he was obedient to, to God in that he 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 walked into his house and he started listening to the teachers of God's word. He started, you know, submitting to these teachers and learning from them. And uh, throughout his whole life, we see examples of how he was obeying God. Um, We also see how he obeyed his parents. Obeying our parents is is a very important thing for us as kids to do because our our parents always have uh, our best interests at heart and they're doing their best to lead us and guide us. And they have so much more wisdom in this world than we can ever have. But 
in this episode, we also pointed to obeying God in the same way. That sometimes you look at the the plan that God has for your life, and you don't necessarily think that that's the best plan that that He could have. You say, "Oh, well, I think that this would be better," but just have faith. Like uh, so many times in my life, uh, I have had situations where I wanted to do something that wasn't what God was calling me to do, but I I stuck through and I did what God was calling me to do, and I look back and. I did not regret a thing. I saw exactly how God was using me, how he was working in my life through the things that he was calling me to, and that he used these things to grow me in different areas. And it's 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 just amazing when you when you follow God, obey his commands for you, and then you can look back and see how he really used you and really changed you um, through your spiritual journey and through your journey just with him. So we want to encourage you guys today with this these things. Um, just looking and learning and constantly seeking after this knowledge and wisdom from God, but also being obedient to God and submitting to him in everything that he calls you to do. Because we know that while our earthly parents might have what's best for us at heart, um, but they still you know, make mistakes every now and then, God is perfect. God is perfectly faithful. We know that he always has the best interests at heart for those who love him, according to Romans 8.28. And that if we follow him, we will end up um, in in the best place that he's called us to. We will end up in that place where we can look back on our life being so fulfilled, not having regrets, and just knowing that that every step of the way we followed him and his love and his protection, he looked over us and he brought us along safely uh, through this journey of life. And that, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy because Jesus promised persecution. Jesus told us that the world hated him. And because of that, since we are followers of him, the world's also going to hate us. And we need to be prepared for that. We need to make sure that we don't expect the Christian life to be easy. But we go into it with faith, knowing that God's going to lead us um, the whole way through it all. And we as Christians, knowing that we're going to face this persecution, we need to stand together. We need to be in fellowship with one another, in constant communication with other believers, constant encouragement with other believers. And we want to be that encouragement for you here in this podcast. Um, but even in, in personal messaging, if you guys have any anything that you're going through, that you're trying to work through, any encouragements, any questions, any comments, anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us on uh, livingvictorypodcast.com. You can also reach out to us on Facebook and Instagram at Living Victory Podcast. Um, if you want to email any of the hosts, we each have our own personal email at maxjonathanandchristian at livingvictorypodcast.com. But we also have a general email. Uh, questions at livingvictorypodcast.com. So if you guys want to get in touch with us, there are so many ways to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk to you just to continue the conversation. If there, if there are any questions you have about things that we've talked about in this episode or episodes in the past, if there's anything that you've been wondering about, any doubts or any any questions that you have, just let us know. We'd love to talk to you. We'd love to to help you through this journey because just God has brought us, each each of the three of us, on such a long, amazing journey with him. And we want to share that that experience with you guys, um, help you to grow in your faith, in your journey with him, and just grow into amazing, mature believers. And that way we can have an effect on the world. We can we can affect the world for Christ in a way that, that nobody's ever seen before. So thank you all for listening. And as always, love each other and shine your light.